I just want to come off the heels of, of pretty much all the sentiments that we've, we've pretty much heard thus far, that it's, it's, it's been a tough period. And I feel like we, we've, we've said that so often these past uh, few weeks and months. Uh, it, it always feel like if uh, a new week just brings uh, newer and newer challenges. Uh, it's, it's definitely been a, a, a difficult time for a lot of individuals. And, um, you know, we just want to be mindful of, of those who have recently lost loved ones. We, we want to be mindful of those who have recently been going through and encountering their, their own tragedies. Uh, it's, it's interesting, even as I was preparing for the message uh, this morning, I, I had no idea what Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or even Saturday would, would have brought. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this series, Come Let's Build Together, and, and the, the theme that we'll be looking at this morning, the sub-theme is, is definitely family. Uh, how, how appropriate is, is that? Because I, I do believe that when we think about the, the body, when we think about the family, that is the spiritual family of Christ. You know, even in the, the scripture reading, Paul was pretty clear by the Spirit that when, when, when one person is going through their time of rejoicing, we could all rejoice. But the same is true on the opposite end, that when, when one part or one person is going through their pain and their suffering, the entire body feels it as well. And so I, I'm hoping that as you just stick with me for about three pages of this, uh, I'm hoping that you, 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 you stay close. Uh, I'm, I'm going to attempt to stay as close as I can to my notes because I believe that as I, I do that, I'll reflect the, the things that God had put on my heart to say without trying to, to chase the rabbit, as you would say. And so if you, if you hear something, I just want you to, to just stay with me on this. If you hear something, I'm, I'm not going to try to solicit uh, this morning, a bunch of amens. Uh, uh, but if you do hear something that, that resonates with you, feel free to say amen. If, if, you do if you do hear something that resonates and you believe to be true, feel free to say hallelujah. If, if something resonates you, with you, feel free to say that's, that's right or, or that's, that's true. It goes without saying that the family is the nucleus of our civilization. But the question remains as we think about the reality of this world or this entity, what exactly is a family? It's interesting that in our day and age, in the end, we are asking the question, what is the family? And that's really indicative of the time that we are in because at one particular point in time, everyone would have known the definition, the simple definition of a family. But now because of the time we are living in, there have been changes to this definition. But I want us to think and remember on the definition of the biblical family that we find in Scripture. A family, therefore, if we take into consideration everything we know about Scripture, a family, therefore, is a group of people who, in the most case, live together. They share their money, they share their food, and they support 
and are supposed to take care of each other. Its members are either genetically related, for example, brother and sister, that is to say they are connected by blood, or legally bound to each other, for example, through marriage or option. It is said, talking about the family, it is said to be the smallest unit in society, yet it impacts the community in the biggest way. A broken family is often the root cause and platform for a decaying society. Thus, it has been proven that a healthy family or healthy families result in stronger communities and a stronger society. On a side note, I want us to recognize that when we think of a healthy family, I don't want us to, to feel that because someone would have grown up in a household with both parents and everyone being under the same rooftop, that that necessarily means that those individuals were a part of a healthy household. Some of us may have grown up in environments where we had both parents Present. Some of us may have grown up in a household where everyone, siblings and parents and grandparents may have been there, but we would ultimately conclude that not because we were all under the same roof necessarily meant that the family dynamic was a healthy one. That is to say, when we think about a broken family, don't only think that a broken family is one where you have a negligent father or a negligent mother or, or wayward children. The truth is we could be under the same rooftop, we could be in the same household and still not find ourselves within the confines of a healthy family environment. So it is said once more that the family, though it is the smallest unit in our, in our society, it impacts nonetheless our community and our society in the biggest possible way. The same is true for the family of God. The same is true for the church in that strong and healthy families often result in healthier churches. But to understand the reality of the family, we must look at this from a twofold approach. Number one, we must recognize that the family first, as we look at the family, it is first seen within light of a physical representation. This aspect of family is where one's relationship with his or her own relatives greatly influences and impacts their contribution to the community of the saints. This is especially true if all the members of the household are members of the church, whether nuclear, extended, or a single-parent household. Even where someone may be the only member of the church in their representative physical family, their relationship with their family still can and often does create an impact negatively or positively on the church. That is to say, when we think about family, I need for us to recognize that we, we do have to approach the family from first a physical standpoint. We are all a part of our own physical families. And whether or not we, the, 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 our families find themselves as members of the body of Christ, the truth is when we think about the importance and the impact of our physical families, the way that we connect or, or we are disconnected with our own families impact on our witness to the church and to those outside of the church. 
And so when we think about the reality of, of, of our lives and our relationship with our own physical families, it could greatly impact our ability to connect with and to evangelize and to disciple individuals who are outside of Jesus Christ. So Paul, when he writes concerning various things in Scripture concerning the family and the importance of the family, notice what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 as he gives the qualifications. Elders, an elder's family life greatly impacts his ability to not only become an elder, but also to be a good leader within the confines of the church. For if a man cannot take care of his own household, how can he take care of the household of God? That is what Paul would conclude. So the way that we are with our physical families can greatly impact the leadership. In Ephesians chapter number 5, in Ephesians chapter number 5 from verse number 22 through 6 and verse number 1, Paul outlines this relationship, this dynamic that ought to exist within the confines of the family. He talks about wives submitting to their husbands. He talks about husbands loving their wives. He talks about children obeying their parents. And he's talking about all of this really within the confines of what actually ought to take place within the church. But he he peers up and he aligns what happens in the physical household with what's actually taken place in the spiritual one. So that is to say, the way that we connect with our physical families in on our reality of the church. So when we think about it, he goes on in verse number 32 of Ephesians chapter 5, again, to help us understand that he is not talking just mysteries with regard to something out in the air, but he is using this as a barometer even as he speaks concerning the church. But not only do we recognize this from a physical standpoint, but Paul, or the importance of the spiritual family of God. This, as we develop this quick definition, this spiritual family is the body of baptized believers. Those who have been saved and added to the kingdom, added to the body of Christ, according to the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 38 through verse number 47. It is this family that we are strongly encouraged to give preference to and to seek first, according to Matthew 6 and verse number 33, where, where Christ himself would say, seek ye first the, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. However, that does not give us license, even though the priority ought to be given to the spiritual things, the spiritual family. That does not give us license to neglect our responsibilities to our physical household. So Paul, as he writes again to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter number 5, from verses number 1 through verse number 8, a focus on verse number 8, he encourages those there to understand that they need to be able to take care of those of their own household. For a man that can't take care of those of his own household, he said they have denied the faith and they are worse off than the unbelievers. 
So in other words, as Christians, we, we need to have the ability while taking care of our physical families, we need to, to find that ability to, to maintain a balance of where do I take care of my physical family while also making sure that I put God and the spiritual family of God in the place that it is supposed to be. None would, would recognize this probably more than than those who have found themselves as ministers. I, I can't tell you how many preachers that have put in the spiritual things of God first to, to the neglect of their own families. And as a result of that, it created problems for them and it created problems from, for their families. Even though they were good ministers, they, they neglected to a great extent their own Household. So I'm saying that while on one hand we need to take care of our physical family, and on the other hand I'm saying we need to put God's family as a priority as well. When we don't have, notice this, the protection, the security, and the presence of our physical families. It is the spiritual family that provides such. Anybody here grew up in a household or maybe is still a part of a physical family that, that is disjointed and is, is broken and there seems to be no real encouragement there? Well, this is where the spiritual family has, has, has a place for you because where there is no protection in your physical family, where there is no security in your family, where they are not present and contributing in the physical family, this is where you are able to receive such in the spiritual household of God. If you can't get it among your blood people, you could get it amongst the spiritual ones. When your physical families turn their backs on you, they speak evil of you, they walk out on you, cheat on you you and wound you in all a spiritual family that is there to take up the pieces and to help you get back on your feet. I'm trying to help us to recognize that where the physical family falls short, the spiritual family is there to take up the slack. So when we think about the reality of the family, I want us to remember that it is the smallest unit of society, but it impacts, it impacts our society's church. It impacts our church and our churches in the biggest possible ways. Sometimes you don't get the encouragement from your mom physically, but you have a spiritual mother that is going to be there for you. Sometimes you may not get that protection from your physical siblings, but you could get that encouragement and that protection from your, your spiritual ones. The church is not only there to pick up the pieces in wake of family problems, but it is also there, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit, it is also there to aid in enhancing the physical family unit. 
In other words, don't, don't just see the church as an entity to be used when things are going bad, when, 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 when all the chips are down, when things are, are broken and things are separate. That's the time when you come to the church for help. The church is there to help in all situations, but I wanted to recognize that the church is there when you recognize some issues and, and you need some help, you need some encouragement, the church is there to encourage. The church is there to help enhance what you have. Don't wait until it is, it is beyond repair in your mind to talk to somebody. Don't wait until you're flat down on, on your back to decide, well, now is the time I need to, to open up and to share. No, 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 the church is not there just to pick up the pieces, but the church is there to help you walk that lonely and that rough, rugged, rugged road. So Paul, through the scripture, Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wants the church, before we get into the text, he wants the church to understand that we are more than just brethren from a, from a, a notable standpoint. We are more than just church goers. We are more than just brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so. We are more than just mere disciples. We are more than just Christians. He wants the brethren to know that we are family. Could you repeat that? Say, we are family. One more time. We are family. So Paul wants the brethren to understand that we are, and without, without a doubt, we are family. I like this quote. I had preached a, a sermon similar not, not too many years ago, and I found a quote by a, a well-known author. His name is Jim Butcher. Uh, he, he is an American novelist, and he had this quote, and, and I think this quote is true. He said that, that, that there is nothing that makes one more insane than family. If I were to put that into my, into my Caribbean lingo, we'll say family could, could send you crazy. <laughs> then he would go on to say, while he says there's nothing more that makes you more insane than family says, or more happy, or more exasperated, or more secure. In other words, you... If somebody brings you great joy, it's family. While at the same time, if somebody helps contribute to make your once black or brown hair, blonde hair turn gray, at the same time, it's, it's family. But he would conclude, no matter what the situation is, you just need to say, but family is family. Family is family. You might have a wayward son, but he's your son nonetheless. You might have a prodigal daughter, and hear me well, but she is your daughter nonetheless. I know we have some challenges with some of these issues that uh, our generations and our younger people are having right now, and I, I don't want to get into all the explicits of, explicits of it, but we've struggled with how do we engage as parents with our children when our children fall prey to some of these different I ideologies and some of these different ways of life, and, and so people have gone on so much to, dis to disown their children, but I want us to understand and appreciate something. Your child is your child. Whether or not you apply some tough love or not, your child is your child. 
You may not agree with their lifestyle. You may not agree with what they're doing. You may have a stance that is totally different from theirs. But at the end of the day, that child is yours. That child is mine. So whether or not they are wayward, whether or not they are prodigal, I'm trying to help us to recognize that family is family. Say, family is family. Come on, come on. You might have a hard to deal with brother or sister, but they are still your brother and or your sister. Any siblings here who know exactly what I'm talking about? Hard of head, but they are still your brothers and your sisters. You may not talk all during the year, but God knows when you get that call, if something is wrong and, and they need a two pints of blood and, and it could come from you, then guess what? You find yourself at the blood bank and you give a pint here and a pint there because that's your physical family. Let me go a little bit deeper now because you say, well, Brother Morgan, that's the easy stuff. Let me go a little bit deeper now. It, 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 your, your father might have been a father who walked out on you. But he is still your father. Your mother, biological mother, may have given you up. And, and there might have been reasons why she would have did it. May, maybe she wasn't uh, there emotionally. Maybe she wasn't there mentally. Maybe she wasn't mature enough. Whatever the situation. I can't tell what the situation is. But even though she would have given you up for whatever reason, your physical, biological mom is still your mom. And though you may have been adopted into a family and you love your adoptive parents, I want us to understand this is where the love of Christ comes in because even though I'm adopted into an environment of people that would have actually loved me, if you have the opportunity to connect with your biological parents, don't hate them. Learn to respect and love them for where and who they are. Watch this. It's easier to teach a child forgiveness than it is to teach a child how to let go of malice. Let me change that from children. Church, it's easier for us to learn to forgive than it is for us to deal with the consequences of hate. So I'm trying to help us to understand that the depth of what Paul is saying is that we must have a love that transcends our emotions. We must have a love that transcends all of the hurt as we reflect the heart and the love of Christ that was displayed towards each and every single one of us. Follow me as we get into the text really quickly. As Paul writes to the brethren in Corinth, he is writing to a severely divided congregation. And in spite of the things that was happening and transpiring within the confines of this particular church, he he echoes the sentiment over and over and over again that family is family. Repeat after me, family, family. is family. In spite of arguments, in spite of disagreements, in spite of fights, family is family. I'm not saying, however, that we need to put up all the time with, with nonsense, nonsense and condone a lifestyle and li life, life people who live in, in full-blown sin, but, but I need for us to recognize that it must never be too easy for us to give up on one another. 
So in other words, don't let it be too easy for you to give up on your physical family. And in the same way, don't allow it to be too easy for you to give up on your spiritual family as well. For the same way that you have spats with your physical family is the same way you have spats with your spiritual one. I wish I had some honest people to say that's true. We have arguments in church. I, I don't want people to go away with the thinking that when you, when, when you come to church that everything is going to be okay, that nobody's going to give you a slanted eye, that nobody's going to have, you know, never going to have something negative to say about you. I don't want you to feel like if, if you come into church, a church environment, that all of a sudden everybody just knows how to behave and everybody just knows how to treat everybody and everybody just knows how to talk to each, each other and everybody just knows how, you know, how to do life together. No, no, no. We encounter problems in church too. Brother speaking against brother, you encounter that in church. You, you have arguments, you, you have heads that clash, you have all this stuff that takes place in church. I've always heard it said there is no kind of hurt like church hurt. When the church people hurt you, it's difficult to deal with. Because you come to church thinking these people have your backs, only to recognize that sometimes the people who you thought had your back is the people that are planting those daggers in it. So I want people to understand, whether you are online or whether you are here, I want us and I need for us to appreciate and understand that we are just here to do life together. And sometimes as we do life together, we encounter difficulties, we encounter challenges, we have our arguments, and we have our fights. But I need for us to conclude that family is still family. I wish the Church of Christ would understand that. I'm not just talking about Antioch, but I'm talking about churches of Christ across the globe. I wish churches of Christ would understand that family is family, because maybe if we understood that family is family a little bit more, we wouldn't have five congregations on the same street. I just wish we would understand that family is, in, that is family, and we could come together as we have our conflicts and learn to resolve it by applying the heart and the mind and the word of God. There are some things you could disagree on, but you don't have to break church for that. There are some things you, you don't always have to agree on. Well, who cares if the Lord suppressed before the sermon or after the sermon, but apparently there are some people that do. I'm just trying to help us to understand there are things, though we might differ on, it doesn't mean that we have to split hairs on. I just wish that we understood that family is family. Watch me as we conclude. I'm going to do this really quickly. There are four things in this text that I want us to appreciate. As Paul goes through this analogy and, and this simile of, of talking about the, this physical body, he's using the physical human body as a representation for, for the reality of how church life ought to be. And if you give me the opportunity, we'll be done in about four minutes. One minute for each point. So notice, as he goes through this entire analogy, he talks about though we are part of this one body, we are in fact many members. So in other words, the physical body is classified as a body, a singular unit, but even though it's classified as a singular physical unit, the physical singular unit that is this physical body has various members or parts to it. You have fingers, and on a, on, on a hand you might have five, you might have four, depending on how, you know, what, what, you, what, what transpired to you during the course of your life. 
On your feet, you, you, uh, on one foot you have five toes, on the other you have five toes, you, you have two legs, you have two arms, you have two eyes, you have a nose with two nostrils, you have two ears, and so forth and so on. There is one singular unit. You guys with me? But though there is one singular unit, this unit is made up of multiple parts or multiple members. Some you can see visually, and of course there are a bunch of parts and members that you can't. Could anybody see your heart physically? No. Could anybody see your lungs physically? No, but you could see my face. So there are parts of the body that you could see externally, but also there are parts of the body that you can't see that is covered by the comely parts. Watch this. So number one, I want us to appreciate concerning our text. That is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 26. Four quick things and the message will be yours. Number one, though we are diverse or we are different, we are all members of the same family. You could say amen to that. Because though we are different, we are different members, there is no one or two members that are the same. You might look the same. Lance? <laughs> you, you might look the same, Brad. But if you get to know Brad, you recognize that Brad and Lance are two different people. You might... <laughs> there are no two members <laughs> that are the same. So number one, if you're taking notes, though we are diverse or different, I need for us to appreciate that we are a part of the same family. That's found in verse number 12. Moving right along. Not having the same function... Or gift, because I think this, this is sometimes where we, we have difficulty dealing with church life. Not having the same function or gift as someone else doesn't make us, you or me, any less a part of the body than we really are. Sometimes we equate our importance to, to the body based on, you know, you know, our giftedness. So this person seems to be more important because they have a particular role and function in the church. Where, whereas I might deem myself not as important or less important because I don't necessarily have that role. I need for you to understand that even though you may not have a prominent role, it doesn't negate or lessen your importance to this physical, spiritual family of God. Because you're not an elder, doesn't mean that you're any less important to this family here at Antioch. Because you're not a preacher, doesn't mean that you're any less important to the family here at Antioch. You get it now? Because you may not be a Sunday school teacher, doesn't mean that you're any less important to this spiritual family here that is at Antioch. I'm trying to help you to understand that wherever you are, you are valuable and you are important to the spiritual house and the spiritual family of God. That's found in verses 14 and verse number 15. Every part, every member brings use and valuability to the body and to the family. Number three, I need to move on. God sets us in particular places. This is important, church. God sets us in particular places in the body based on gifts he has given us so we can carry out specific functions. Do you know that you are where you are because God has you there for a reason? 
In other words, there are things that you could do and there are people that you could reach that I necessarily may not have the ability to reach nor do. But only if you recognize that where you are, God has put you there for a reason. There are people that you could reach right now that I can't. There are people that you could touch right now that I do not have the ability to touch. But we need to recognize that we are all valuable and important. That's found in verse number 18. And finally, as we close, I told you I was going to be done. Every single part, every single member, every single part is important. And you are there, you are here for a reason. Stand with me, stand with me. I want to I wanna, I wanna share, share this with you. You are here. I am here for a reason. You are here. I am here for a reason. You get that? You are here. I am here for a reason. Is, is that mantra sticking? You are here. I am here for a reason. I, I, I hope you're getting it right now. What, what is it? You are? Here. I am? Here. For what? A oh, beautiful. You are? Here. I am? Here. For? Reason. A reason. You are here and I am here for a reason. Watch this. In the latter part of this text, Paul talks about those comely parts and, and those not so comely parts. And really, if, he's, if we're following the analogy of this, of, of, of this body, what he's really talking about is that the comely parts are those parts that you could, you could see. But the uncomely parts, or what he calls the, the weaker parts, if you think about the body, are the parts that are internal, that are covered by the external aspects of the body. So the lungs are valuable to the physical body. But it's also one of those parts, those internal organs of the body that needs some type of protection. You, you don't see it. But every time you take a breath, you recognize the value of the lungs. The heart, that, that blood pump, you, you don't see it as you would your hands or your feet or a person's face, but... The heart is valuable to the body. And so the comely parts or those present physical parts that you could see, you, you see them, but they are stronger so that they could protect and they could take care of the weaker members of the body. I want you to understand something. You might be weak, and that might be true as you might see yourself, but the strong ones ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. So let me repeat this one more time. Where the physical family isn't there to protect. Where the physical family isn't there to guide. Where the physical family isn't there to offer security or aid. Where is the spiritual family? Right there. Because we are, if you didn't know it, family. Andrew and I may not have come, been birthed from the same birth mother. That's ours. I know we have several Andrews. Andrew Dunaway, he and I look like brothers, but that's fine. <laughs> Andrew and I may not have been birthed from the same birth canal, but we, we were birthed spiritually from the same canal, and that 
We came out and the blood that covered us was Christ. We, 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 we won't all bless some of us maybe to have good physical households that were healthy enough to, 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 to really give us a good foundation in life. Good husbands and, and good wives and learn what it means people in society. But God knows we were blessed to be born into a spiritual family where the Holy Spirit is able to be our guide and to give us the strength that we need to mature into the type of men and women that God would have us to be. We are family. Amen. So if you're there with me, and you believe everything that was said, and you understood everything that was said, say amen. amen. Repeat after me one more time. Say, we are, we are family. family. If you have a need, I want to encourage you to come forward and let it be known. We're going to have some elders here that would offer some prayer. If you don't feel comfortable making your way down, and there is a brother or sister in the pew next to you that you don't mind just turning 